welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Insiders. Sorry about that, technical issues. Hopefully, people will find us. We're here. Hi. We're at a different address. Uh, I'll, I'll, when you guys get to talking, I'll go link it out to everyone. Um, sorry about the little feedback there. That was odd. Hi, gentlemen. You look great. We got Brian Hanley in his studio, Tim Everson in his living room, and Glenn Kenley back in the hospital room. That's what it looks like behind you. Every, every stinking time, it looks like a hospital. But that's okay, buddy. That's okay. Some of us I'm trying need to get help. The lighting right. If, I can't tell if it's too bright right now or if the lighting's okay. So. I look. I mean, look what you're comparing yourself to. I mean, <laughs> seriously. You can turn off your camera and be the most attractive guy on this show. <laughs> Let's get going. If people, people will find us. They're finding us already. Hello, that's people. That's right. Hey, seriously, if anyone's out there that uh, has access to the original Twitter link or uh, YouTube link, well, put a response in there. I got, maybe the YouTube's gone because I had to erase it, but put a response that we have a new address and we're going live at the YouTube site. I would appreciate it very much. Kansas State wins 31-27 in a, a very competitive game. Um, not the cleanest game, turnovers, and and uh, both coaches were yelling at the refs uh, at points, and Lance Leipold uh, turned into i I've never seen him that way, but I don't watch every KU game. He was kind of a man possessed in this game against uh, after a call, but – uh, let's just start at the top, Brian. It was a weird one, but give me your thoughts. Well, first off, Kansas played well. Uh, mm-hmm. Kansas came out and did a lot of different things that it, it didn't look like K State was prepared to see. You know, they came out with a lot of different looks, uh, ran an option out of the wildcat, moved their quarterback around. Uh, they ran the ball I- exceptional. They just did a lot of different things, and it just didn't look like that K-State was prepared for it, I'll be honest, Um, which was surprising because you would have thought that going into the football game that, you know, with a third-string quarterback, even though they kind of played coy, I mean, that that was coach's speed. You could have seen through that, you know, just by paying attention. You'd have known that the guy, that that Bean wasn't going to play. But you would have thought that they would have come out with a a game – plan to make them throw the football and K-State didn't come out like that. It, it just, they didn't come out like that at all. It was weird. Yeah, no, it really was strange. Tim Everson, you were there. I was not there. That makes you smarter than me. Go. <laughs> um, It was, it was weird. It was a weird, weird first, like three fourths of, of the game. There was really kind of K-State. First off, in the, in the first half, KU just did such a great job of just holding on to the football. I mean, they choked the life um, out of the game. And, you know, K-State's offense did what it could when it was on the field. But, I mean, it was like three drives, like seven-plus minutes in that first half. Um, it was a quick, 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 quick first half. But it was, uh, uh, I mean, all, all the credit in the world to uh, KU's coaches because they, they had a game plan. Um, everyone was on board, and it took – uh, I feel probably longer than it probably should have mm-hmm. for, for K-State to kind of adjust and get things rolling, but they, they finally did, and they finally got things moving in the right direction. But uh, it was, you know, it was it was scary, for sure, if you're a K-State yep. fan. No doubt about it. Glenn, you were also there uh, with the killer uh, social media 
uh, besides the fact you're good at your job, you killed <laughs> it on social media. Um, but Brandon you were down on the field nicely. Yeah, you had a you had a whole different view from the field. Um, thoughts? Well, I think probably, and somebody said this in the chat actually. Uh, KU offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki deserves a ton of credit. I yeah. think that guy is the real deal. I mean, that guy's phenomenal. He had one week to get a true freshman quarterback who was a walk on about a month ago ready. And their offense really looked pretty dang good. This is not a knock at Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels or or the freshman Cole Ballard, but we've seen no matter who goes in there, right? Jalen Daniels goes in there and we're like, he might be a player of the year. And then Jason Bean goes in there and you're like, well, they're really still scoring plenty of points. And then and then they go without both those guys for this one and they they hang in there the whole way. He deserves a ton of credit. Now K State probably deserves some credit for making some adjustments, at least in the second half. I will say this too. I think part of it is just that was stuff K-State hadn't seen before. Yeah. So you, I, look, Chris Thomas said after the game, he wasn't surprised by anything. They didn't do anything that he didn't know was coming. I think they thought some of that stuff was going to be coming, whether that was the Wildcat or the direct snaps. They moved a lot of guys around. Um, but there's a difference between knowing it's coming and playing against it, right, and, and, yeah. and taking the live snaps when they're doing it. And you got some young players out there who maybe haven't taken a snap against that sort of offense in their life. They might not have seen that in high school. They might be a true freshman who haven't. So it's different. And then they see it in the first half, probably at halftime, get a better look at it. And then they get, they ended up getting some more stops. Um, but the offense was was really resilient in this one. It felt like they, they weren't perfect, but uh, they did what they needed to do. And eventually Will Howard started. I think probably there was a conversation that said, dude, you got to run the football. And when he did, uh, out up a few notches. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Uh, the amount of I don't want to say junk, but creative stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what surprised K-State was not that it occurred and they had prepared for everything, how often it occurred. Yeah. Although although Brian Hanley, uh, I must say uh, K-State needs to figure out how to defend the option. <laughs> why KU didn't run the option to the yeah. one side every freaking time I'll never know because they never got it right Des Purnell would take the, the the quarterback and nobody was out there to take the I mean it was just wide open I, it was embarrassing well the thing about it is I mean this goes back to probably the beginning of time when they started running option football it yeah. comes back to this old tricky thing called counting and just count to where <laughs> there are less defenders and a couple of times, it just seemed like KU came to the line of scrimmage. They looked. They said, K-State's got less guys this way. We're going to run it this way. And there was nobody over there. And it looked like K-State had never practiced, never even practiced <laughs> against the option. There were so many times there's no – nobody had the pitch man. I'm like, oh, my good and, – and there was nobody around. I mean – so I don't know. It, it, I mean, it looked like they were surprised. It looked like they were unprepared. Uh, again, I hate to say that about the K-State coaching staff, but, it, I mean, truth is truth. It just looked like they were unprepared. All the credit goes to to the KU coaching staff because let's just call it what it is. I think they were they knew that K-State had a better roster. They were a little bit undermanned. Although KU does have a good football team, how can we win? How can we choke the life out of this game? How can we still be successful and move the football? And they've just found ways to do it. And quite frankly, at, at the first drive, K-State goes, what was it, 30-something yards to Jace Brown on the first play from scrimmage, and then maybe a few plays later, punch into the end zone. And then KU goes three and out. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking at that point, oh, this is about to get ugly. 
Yep. And, and all of a sudden, then then there was a big a deep ball, I think, to Phillip Brooks that that uh, there was no flag. It got broken up. And then K-State has to punt. And all of a sudden, KU ties, ties the game and takes the lead. So they really responded, too. Give them a lot of credit. They give the, 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 the atmosphere there was incredible. That was – I've never seen the place that full, and I've certainly never seen the place that loud. It was a really good atmosphere. And on Thanksgiving weekend, I thought maybe some of their students were going to go home because it was – well, not Thanksgiving weekend, but, you know, the week before yeah. Thanksgiving. Friday was their last day of classes before Thanksgiving. And so I thought, well, a lot of them might go home. But that, that place, you couldn't have found a seat. It was It was incredible. Yeah, I, I wondered about that, Fitz, because you I were the only one of us probably that would have been there that year whenever uh, K-State played in the height of the Mangino days in KU. Was it was it that packed in there? Do you remember? I, I remember it packed, but I don't remember it having that level of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I, I, You know, I I felt like they, they kind of understood they were dabbling in greatness, you know, in, in good football. But it didn't feel real. I, I don't know how to exactly describe it. It was a Todd Reesing type of thing, I think, that Todd was so, you know, good that maybe it was just him and Mangino put together, which I think it was. But this feels more substantive. I think we all agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the quarterback situation shows that. If you'd gone to the third string quarterback in that era, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. This feels like it has depth and the players are at a level of believing that um, I think that it rubs off in the student body. And Brian, that's what's different the most about KU. You can talk about the talent, you can talk about the play calling, but brother, they believe. They, yes, they, they do. That, that opening sequence Glenn referenced would have been it in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't flinch. They didn't yeah. come close to flinching. Uh, and honestly, K-State did. When, when Kansas answered, uh, they kind of were back on their heels a little bit like, what's going on? This isn't the script. We've seen the script 14 times. This isn't it. Um, and But they found a way to win. They did find a way to win, and that's kind of the mark of a good team, mm-hmm. uh, a mature football team, to be able to find a way to win on the road. Because, again, this was not K-State's A effort, uh, an, an A game. It definitely was not. And it, it, to, to be honest, it kind of reminded me of the Oklahoma State game. Yep. Come out, not prepared, get hit square in the mouth, and we fall back, it fall down. And against Oklahoma State, we staggered up. Against KU, we got up. And there mm-hmm. is a huge difference between the two. Yeah. And we got up, and then we fought back, and we went, and we found a way to win the game. And that, again, it shows growth um, of a team. Because, again, Oklahoma State, I mean, it, it just seemed to be the same type of thing. You know, and they found a way this time. It's like, hold on a second. We're better than they are. If we just go out here and execute, things will be fine. And they went out and they executed and did the things that they needed mm-hmm. to do to, to go win the football game. Again, coaching is part of that, too. Getting the guys to believe in, in, in their abilities, putting a, a, together a different plan because the first plan they had to scrap and they just did it. It just wasn't working. And to understand, hey, man. Life is tough in in the Big 12. Life is just tough on the road. Mm-hmm. KU is not the same old KU, and these guys can play. If we're going to win, we still have the opportunity to get to the places that we're trying to go get to. we got to win this football game, and they did it. Yeah, and Brian, let's say this, too. I think we K-State deserves credit that you're giving them. I, I've seen a lot on social media, and this is just a rivalry. It would have happened the other way, too. I'm, I'm sure it would have if KU won the game. But I've seen a lot of 
from KU's side. Well, we didn't – K-State didn't even win the game. We just lost. We didn't play good. We didn't have our quarterback. We, we gave that game away. Mm. We were the better team, but they just somehow found a way to win the game. K-State deserves credit. They, they, made, they made one or two more plays. Guys, it was a tiny margin, yep. but they made one or two more plays, and you got to give them credit. Now, with every play, you can say, oh, the true freshman quarterback threw the pick in the end zone. You could say Marquise Siegel made a great play to, to get the pick in the end zone. You could say so and the, 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 this guy didn't adjust for the, for the option well enough. You could say so-and-so made a great block on the option, right? So every play, you can either say, well, well, we beat ourselves, but somebody on the other side had to make a play for that to happen. Same thing as with that pick. Well, why did he throw the pick? In case they bring good pressure, did they have good coverage? You have to give credit to the Wildcats, and I, I think that's natural in a rivalry. You don't want to say, well, they, they, they just made a few extra plays. You want to say, well, we, we could have beat them, you know, but we got to get give the K State guys their prop. We've talked a lot about the secondary. That group's come a really long way, um, and and the offense, like I said, made just enough plays. It wasn't perfect, but made just enough plays and made just enough adjustments. After guys, K State was down eleven points, and KU had the ball. Yes, like KU had the ball and a chance to go up eighteen points. That yes, this almost got ugly. I saw Gene Taylor go to the bathroom in the press box, and we just didn't say anything to each other. I just I just was like, we're just not going to talk because I don't think he wants to talk to me right now. And uh, he was in a better mood after the game. Tim, I want to build off that just real quick. Um, there were so many moments in this game that felt like if that play goes another way, the whole game changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a blocked extra point certainly is the first one that happened because if they don't block that extra point and scoop it up, uh, then we're looking at you know either a three-point margin or a one-point margin, depending on if they get the return. Either way, it's a field goal margin that – uh, they can kick instead of throw that pass that ended up an interception. And, of course, there was the dropped interception that would have been a pick six for Kansas. And at that point of the game, Glenn, or excuse me, Tim, I'm thinking uh, Will Howard's in his kind of meltdown mode that he had at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. He's not seeing the defense. He's he's in his own head. He's panicking. And then, boom, Treshawn Ward takes it 57 yards on a run up the middle. And I think that settled Will down. And I think that those back-to-back plays just changed the outcome of this game completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, going down 18 on the road in that environment in the second half. Yeah. If that would have happened, especially on a pick six, which is so demoralizing to come back from. Um, I, You know, this could have really turned ugly. Um, after that, but uh, I don't know. There, there is just something about seeing things going right, and then kind of getting your mind back where it needs to be, kind of getting settled. Uh, keep in mind that, like going back to what we said earlier, you know, K State's offense was barely on the field in the first half, and so yeah. it took quite a bit for them to kind of get back into a rhythm and kind of get uh, get feel normal again. Um, and kind of once they did that, they kind of they got going. They got down there. Uh, I believe that was the that was the DJ Giddens touchdown, the the one yard touchdown at the goal line. Yeah. And uh, after that, after they scored and, and got things back, and they got uh, the two point conversion there, Will ran yes. that in. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, things felt, even though that they weren't ahead yet, things were like okay, things right. are things are moving the way that they they should be moving. Uh, there, there was a there was a sense of calm that I think that kind of set in um, after that touchdown, and that and those two plays were were huge in making that happen. 
As Cole Carmody pointed out on our post-game podcast, which was recorded Sunday, it's up. If you're interested in listening to that, Cole had some really interesting thoughts. He sat in for me um, as I uh, coughed at home. Um, that this was four touchdowns against four touchdowns. The entire difference of this game was two extra points. And Tim dies. Tim's gone. Um, and uh, the entire difference of this game was two extra points. One that was blocked and returned for a three-point swing. And then because of that, K-State goes for two, One for two. Uh, and picks up an extra point with a two-point conversion. Boys, that's four points. Yep. Um, it's amazing how tight this game was. Uh, but, Brian, I think at the end of the day, the belief that we're going to win was a little bit stronger in the hearts of K-State players. I think it was Will Howard said after the game, none of us thought we were going to lose this game. Even when it was down 11, we, we had confidence we were going to win it, um, which is – a hard trained and hard earned trait to get to not just think, but truly believe you're going to win that mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And, and, and it comes from being in the situation, you know, more often than not. Uh, it, it's one of those things that I used to talk about. I remember as a player just saying, Hey man, I'm like we've been in the situation before, you know, and if you've been in the situation before and it doesn't matter, I know a lot of times people try to pan off and say that high school stuff doesn't matter. Yeah, it kind of does when it comes to being in situations. I'm not saying that it's the same as a college situation, you know, with players and stuff, but just being in situations and understanding, you know, it's hard to simulate that in practice, although coaches do. And the punishment is usually running. So I hated it. But at the same time, it's just like when you get in those situations, it's just you have to believe that you are better and that you are going to win. And I think that's the belief that they they didn't have or against Oklahoma State, they just didn't do it. They didn't play well. And then when it came time to, to try to play well, they tried to flip a switch. Where against KU, it was like, hey, guys, we're here. They're not doing anything or they're not blowing us out. We're not playing awful. We just have to start playing well. And and they're letting us stay in this football game. And look, KU threw the kitchen sink at K-State. Yep. Yeah. They did. I know a lot of people, and what you said, Glenn, talking about, you know, a lot of people going back and forth saying, well, they played their third string quarterback. Let's not act like Jason Bean played mistake-free football no. the whole time that he was playing. So right. you don't know exactly what was going to happen. He could have thrown three picks against K-State. Their whole game plan could have been different. And I believe it would have been different. I agree. We're not going to do the same things that they did. Right. So to say that, I, I just don't have any belief in that. But you're, you're right, Fitz. Will Howard, the, the leader of the football team, the leaders of the football team just stood up and said, hey, man, we're not losing this football game. Mm-hmm. Our opportunity, we're not going to lose this football game. And I just believe that that belief and that ability will always shine through. Yeah, Tim, Will Howard. I mean, again, he takes another step uh, towards – he did not play that well, but um, to win that game and the way they won it, uh, he was so instrumental with the two-point conversion and then running in the last touchdown. It was it was an epic performance in, in terms of magnitude. He was so good at the, at the end of the second half mm-hmm. to, just to put the game away that you – I mean, if you, you don't think about the whole game critically, you're like, you, you think that Will had a great game, but really – uh, he and and Ballard had close to a similar game stat wise. Ballard had one more interception. Um, they both had like 160 some 70 passing yards. Um, but he 
it was it was super interesting because uh, they don't do the they don't do quarterback run almost the entire game. Yeah, they just they don't do and and then when we're talking about it, uh, Cole and I are talking about it up in the press box. It's like just super like they they're keying in on it. They need to do something, and then finally when they get down into the red zone. On the go-ahead drive, Will Howard breaks free on a 15-yard run, gallops into the end zone, uh, lets the, the nice KU fans in that end zone <laughs> know who owns the, the particular dwelling that he is currently in, and maybe some other words attached to it, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, 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 and locks the thing down. And then obviously on, on that final drive, the 5-33-second yeah. put-away drive, uh, Will had a, a couple runs there as well to go along with DJ Giddens just being an absolute monster. And, and he made a couple huge throws there too. I wanted to point out the first one of Jace Brown actually was a dot to start the game. Uh, I think that kind of set the tone. It, they they got not only did they score on that drive, but it just kind of was like, hey, by the way, I can throw it over your head, so you better back off. Um, and then the the game winning, we could call it the game winning throw for that first down to Philip Brooks. That. That was a scary play, and it was like, does he have anything? Where's he going? What's going on? And and he and then they had to review it, but he hit him, uh, and he got it there. And that that really that was the one that iced the game. After that, they ran out the clock. Um, and you can credit the O line um for some help there. But he had if he missed, was that fourth down? It was third down. Third. We were third talking down. about yeah, I guess they yeah, let them run fourth, but let them run down, and, and they needed that one. Off. So yeah. that was a huge play. But I want to go right back to you. The mm-hmm. the, the main storyline, I guess, in terms of players was the, the running backs. Mm-hmm. One from Junction City, one from Lawrence, two yeah. really good performance. Devin Neal's a beast. He's, yeah, I've he's always so loved good. him from, from day one. I think he's an NFL back. But, again, DJ Giddens proved how tough he is between the tackles. I mean, he, he was getting hit early on every, almost every carry and just going through it. I don't know how many tackles he broke, but – it was pretty cool to see two Kansas kids in a, a game of ranked teams uh, being the stars of their offense. It was really cool, yeah. DJ Giddens is legit, man. He he was behind Deuce Vaughn. I think we always thought, okay, well, he can get, you know, he can give us four carries for 14 yards, right, and give Deuce a breather. But he's legit. He's hard to tackle. I mean, that sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, but, like, that's the – that's the best way I can put it. There's And it, it's almost like effortless. Sometimes he is running guys over. Sometimes he is shoving you off. Other times it's like he, he kind of do, will just like do one of these, kind of like like almost like toss his hand out to the side as if to be like, no, no, you stay over there. And it doesn't really look like he puts much force into it and the guy goes falling to the ground. Um, DJ Giddens is, is, is legit. And this is his first year really getting true snaps. I mean, he, I think he can be a lot better. But Devin Neal was phenomenal. At some point, um, I think I said to the person next to me while I was filming the game, I go, the, the stats wouldn't load. The the service is not great at the stadium there, but I couldn't find the stats. So I go, I don't know how many rushing yards Devin Neal has, but in my brain, it feels like he has 300. Like it felt like he just, they give it to him over and over and over. And at some point, if I can be honest, I was wishing that K-State would say, you have to beat us with somebody else, right? Like we're going to yeah. zero in on Devin Neal and either you're going to have to beat us in the deep ball. You're going to have to give it to a receiver in the motion or something. But I, at some point I was like, there's nobody on Devin Neal. It's Devin Neal. Like, this guy's not a secret. We know he was the top prospect in Kansas. He's a junior there, and he's been good for three years now. Like, at some point, I was like, how is he the guy that we're missing? It was frustrating, but give him credit, man. I don't know if it was K-State missed him sometimes, but other times, he just was really good. They may have had a guy on him, and he broke a tackle. So, yeah, he's a stud. He deserves a lot of credit, and 
and quite frankly, what he's done there in Lawrence, um, staying home, and it, it's actually been pretty cool. Brian, give me your irony level here. Um, what, how, how magnitude from one to ten is the irony of special teams being what uh, beat Kansas in this game? <laughs> put you on the spot. I mean, look, we talked about it already. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll throw it out there. It's a ten. It's yeah, a 10. It's, so, it's, I, yeah. Yeah, it's just a 10, man. Look, there are so many – I've seen so many conflicting people out there talking about this, Fitz. It's like, look, there's no reason to, to continue to badmouth Sean Snyder. There's no reason for that. But there's also no reason to continue to give the man credit for things that he didn't do. I go, so just let it be. You know, and I don't understand why it just can't be that, but it wasn't. People are not going to do that. We're fans. All of us are, which means we're fanatics. So, and I get that part, and I actually love that part. But, yeah, it was ironic that that, that happened. Um, yeah, that's all I can say about it. It was just ironic that that is what it came down to, special teams. And Sean Snyder was a part of it. Yep. This is The Insiders, our weekly endeavor into K-State sports. Next week, Kansas State plays host to Iowa State in a lovely 7 p.m. game. But the good news is it's on Fox National, so uh, you finally have a big stage, K-State fans, upon which your team can stand. Uh, but this is the stage of the moment. This little box on your computer or your TV or wherever you're watching, please hit the, the like button, that thumbs up, leave some comments. We've got so many comments over here. I'm going to have to be staring at the right to try to find all the questions for later in the show. And we are going to take your questions from the comments in a little bit, but make sure you're following this page, hit the subscribe button. And after the show, go hit big B's own page subscribe button. So you can catch him and we will be right back after this very short break. And you know how short it is. If you're a regular viewer, GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. It's magic. We're back. Hey, uh, guys, let's, let's move on to Iowa State. I'm struck. Uh, I could talk about the KU game quite a bit, but let's, let's, let's look forward. I'm struck by this fact. You know, we're now half halfway, almost done with the season. Uh, and eight conference games behind Kansas State. And I feel like the four toughest teams have been on the road. Yeah. And the four easiest teams, in terms of matchups, certainly um, at the time, because UCF, I think, is better now at quarterback, um, have been at home. They've blown everyone out. Iowa State's somewhere in the middle of the good rankings. Uh, but uh, Whoever wants to take this, I feel like this is going to be a good test. This is not going to be a blowout. Iowa State's defense, this is a big a Big Ten West team. I mean, they, they really are. They just muddy it up. The score never gets too high. They struggle to score, but you do too. Right. Um, I, I think – I feel like it's going to be an in-the-mud scrap to see who comes out on top. 
I, I, I'd be real scared if this was this was in Ames. Yep. Um, I'm still concerned about it because that Iowa State defense uh, is is no joke. Ask Texas, who scored what six points in the first half last week. Uh, you know, but this team has just played so well at home. They play. They love K State. Loves playing at home. Love, love, mm-hmm. love, love, loves. Yeah. Loves it. And uh, I. You know, I, 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 I have a hard time believing that they're not going to find a way to to play super well. Now, maybe Iowa State will play well too, and maybe both teams play really well, and it'll be a really good game. But I, I, I got a, I have a hard time believing that that they're not going to be ready for for yeah. Saturday. And quite frankly, K State has looked like invincible at home. They they've been like ridiculously good. And so the question that we're trying to figure out, and you mentioned it, Fitz, is like, have they looked insanely good at home because they're insanely good at home? Or have they played maybe some teams that aren't that great when they're at home? You know, Houston and TCU and and the non-con games, of course. So that's kind of the question. And you could make you could make the argument that if K-State's road and home were flipped this year, how many of the home games do they drop on the road? I don't know if any of them. Um, and how many of those road games do they win if they're in Bill Snyder Family Stadium? Maybe they though a couple of those might go the other way, a 61-yard field goal and an overtime loss in Austin. Um, so you can make an argument it's actually been tough on them to ha- to have the road and home games that they've had. This will for sure be their their toughest home test. So I guess we'll find out if they are invincible. You mentioned just that power of belief, even in the Sunflower Showdown fits. I think that plays a role here. Like these guys believe that they can't lose at home. They've been so good at home that going out and being up 28 points at halftime is just what they know when they yep. play in this stadium this year. So that's like the norm to them. That'll be like the expectation um, so I guess on the flip side of that, how do they respond then if Iowa State comes out and goes up 10-0, right? If it's the middle of the second quarter and K-State's gotten two first downs on the game. So we'll, we'll see about that too. But I, I think they're going to come out juiced up. And, of course, it's senior day and, and all those things. Last last home game, last game of the year, but last home game of the year. So um, the energy will definitely be there. And they haven't – we don't know the tie break, but they haven't been mathematically eliminated from the – We'll get to that. Uh, (laughs) Brian, he brought up senior day. You've gone through a senior day. Yeah. Uh, Is it truly motivating or almost a distraction? You've got all this stuff going on before the game. Your family's there. Uh, Everyone's uh, cheering for you, but you just want to play. Just want to play. Now, here's the difference, and and I'll just be flat out honest. 1998 was different. That that was a different deal. Um, The hoopla before the game, it wasn't that – I mean, I don't know how big of a deal or how much it is now compared to then. Before, they announced your name, and I thought that was cool, especially as an offensive lineman. I never had my name announced at all in the stadium, so I thought that was outstanding for me to be able to run out there with my family there. Uh, But it was Nebraska, and we hadn't beat them ever. I mean, it didn't seem like we had beat them forever. It was, we were playing for something totally different. So that was just like, get this over with. Let's get to the game. This might be a little bit different for guys, but I would imagine the guys just want to get out there and play. Having your family there and and going through that is all cool. But I, I got to believe the guys just want to, okay, let's get through this and let's get to the game. Yep, I agree. Um it, it will be an interesting atmosphere at night. Might be a little chilly at the bill, but not for Tim and I. We'll be in the press box. 
<laughs> it might get chilly though, Tim, when we have those ice cream sandwiches. Possibly. Possibly. I know. Yeah, that sounds that sounds rough for you guys. <laughs> I know. Even uh, we're, look, we're suffering in our own private ways. Uh, <laughs> Truly. Uh, this uh, this game is significant because K State just needs to win it to control what they can control, and the tiebreaker situation in the Big Twelve is a is a complete mess. Uh, yeah, been screwed up beyond belief. Yeah, and uh, I, I love that the Big Twelve offered clarity for everything except what needed clarity. They ex- everything they, except like the the one that everyone wanted to know about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- they explained everything that a typical. Uh, yeah. What sixth grader who knows Another, sports could yeah. could tell you what the tiebreakers would be, <laughs> except what happens if uh, there's four teams, and that's what they really want to avoid. Now let me explain real quick to everyone that you know. Yeah. I think most of you at this point understand this. K State needs one of two things to happen. They need uh, that. Well, first of all, they have to win. Period. I keep mm-hmm. leaving that step out. Right. Nothing else one. matters. That's 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 a big part of it. Um, uh, and if they do win. They need losses from Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on breaks to tie right there. Both. They went, they moved to the Big 12 championship. Both, not one. If one loses, they lose the tiebreaker individually right. to both of those teams. Right. Well, that doesn't help. Or they need Texas to lose and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and K-State all to win. So there's a four-way tie. And that was specifically avoided by the Big 12 uh, in that social media release right. they did they yep. just they did not want to touch that because guys i hate to say this i don't think they know no I and of course not I, and, and they don't want to put anything out there because last time they put something out there then they it was bad and they had to change it and so they, they were like let's not say anything because if we say something we're not very confident we're going to get it right and if we get it wrong we haven't shown that we're willing to either say we got it wrong or willing to say hey that's the rule we'll fix it next year we're going to have to change it. And they said, we already changed it once. By the way, said it wasn't a change, right? Like, hey, guys, we're going to do the insiders at 5 p.m. next week. We're not changing the time for the start, you guys. We're, yeah. we're starting at the same time that we've always started at 5 p.m. Yeah, we're just clarifying the start time. So just clarifying. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I honestly, I don't think they know – how their own tiebreakers work because they copied them from another conference, the Big Correct. 12, and and nobody said, okay, what's this actually mean? And until it actually came up, uh, I can tell you this: if the tiebreakers, as written, are properly applied, which they've proven they don't, they don't believe in that, um, the championship game would end up in a four-way tie being Kansas State and Texas. Uh, but here's maybe why they. I'll let them off hook a little bit. Maybe why they left this out of that scenario is. For this all to go down, not only do you need those four to end up tied, but Kansas has to win at Cincinnati to to snap everything in place, which I think they will. Um, and what you do, though, is there's not a complete round robin. There's nothing definitive in there like Oklahoma State beating both of them. Nobody's played everyone. There's nothing right. definitive. And and if you want to say, well, what's the overall record? It doesn't matter in this situation. It shouldn't. Right, right. Um, but Kansas State, honestly, would be in the worst situation just on that. They'd be 0-2. Right. Um, but that's not how you do it. That's not how it's written. You slide to the next level, and that is the highest-seeded common opponent. Right. So however you finish the rankings is your seeding. The highest-seeded common opponent, and that, if – where the all takes place and KU wins would be both KU and Iowa State. So now they have two games right. with which to compare. And K State and Texas are two and zero. Oh. That solves the tiebreaker. 
Yeah. Uh, I've seen that there's a guy out there who's done his own site, and he seems to apply that only to decide the top team yeah. and then goes into a three-way tiebreaker, which favors Oklahoma State. And I'm like, that's not how you do this at that's all. That's not how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> and if that's how the Big 12 does it, uh, I've never I've never said that K-State should file a lawsuit. But if that's what they do, K-State needs to be in court that afternoon. Absolutely. Because that is a completely wrong application of the tiebreaker rules as written or as understood or as used anywhere else in the world, including the Pac-12 that has used it in the past. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. And the Big 12 is – I'm going to be very blunt here. I think the Big 12 scared shitless that's going to happen. because They, don't they are. They're 100% scared, and they should be because this is their own doing. Yep, It's literally their own doing. Here's the thing that I was saying all along is, do you know how mad K-State fans would be? And this is how I sympathize with Oklahoma State. If it's a three-way tie, and I beat the other two teams, I don't get in. Do you know how mad as K-State fans we would be and should be if we didn't get in a three-way tie and we beat the other two teams? Because somebody writes something on a, a piece of paper, a technicality yeah. that has nothing to do with on spot. <laughs> Unbelievable how that works. And for all of this to come down, it, it's just I, I, I'm sorry, I got PTSD from 1998 coming back to me yep. on how teams get screwed because I've seen it happen. I lived it. I've seen it happen to other teams. It's like if you can't get people in a room to agree on tiebreakers, it, I promise everybody, it is not that hard to figure out. It really isn't that hard to figure out. Just put it down. Everybody agrees and do it by make sense. Yeah. That's all you have to do is use common sense. It doesn't have to be some long, drawn out Lego mumbo jumbo. It just doesn't have to be that unless you make it that the Big 12 has and I, you know me. I'm rooting for chaos. I am 100% rooting for chaos, and I hope it blows up in their face. And let's and let's just simplify this as much as we possibly can. The Big 12 had to choose between the lesser of two evils. We have a yeah. silly rule in which Oklahoma State doesn't win a tiebreaker with two teams they beat, or we change our rules in week 11 of the college football season. Yes. Which one's worse? And I don't know the answer to that. Clearly, they chose the the lesser of the two evils was to change the rules rather than have a silly rule. I think a lot of people would say they should have changed the rules after this season yep. rather than in week 11. But the most annoying part to me is not that they changed the rules in week 11, and I touched on it. It's that they refuse to say it's a change. Yeah. The rule simply yeah. states, if not – if not every tied team has played each other, proceed to step two, meaning proceed past head-to-head. Forget head-to-head. It said that. And they're Fly, saying, flat out. Yeah, it, it says it. Not, it'd be one thing if it didn't say when to proceed past head-to-head, and, and they were like, well, we assumed that you would look at it even if they don't all play each other, but it does say. And so that's the most absurd part to me. Uh, I, I think um, people in my mentions have been saying the Big 12 Conference is gaslighting us, which is a right. funny thing to say out loud, but it's yep. kind of true. It's the truth, it, but it is yeah, the truth, yeah. though. And here, and here's the deal. I, what what bothers me the most out of all of this is not the actual tiebreaker itself or how it's going to be applied or anything like that. It's how the conference has acted. I mean, yes. look, all of us have, have praised Brett Yormark so much since he's yeah. taken over, but this is some chicken you-know-what stuff that they're doing. Yep. And if this is how they're going to act, this is the first like real like yeah I don't know I don't I don't want to say 
uh, I don't know. It's it's the first time that the they've had their 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 member schools pissed off at them for yeah. something, which is going to happen in a conference. It happens to every conference. You're going to run into situations where you're going to make some portion of your 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 conference's fan base mad. Um, I would have respected this whole situation so much if they would have either done some kind of you know full statement or some kind of video statement from your mark, which you know that he likes being in front of the camera. He likes talking to reporters. He loves talking to reporters. Loves it. Loves right. it. He spent the whole, his whole time here talking to Dennis Dodd behind the scenes, making sure that he knew what plan, what stuff that he wanted to do to make the new landscape. And, and Barry Trammell, happen. apparently. And Barry Trammell. Yes. Yes, but here's yeah. the thing, Tim. I agree yeah. with you with all of that. The problem that I have is people getting up in arms. The athletic directors agreed. Yeah, it'd be one thing if nobody agreed and it was just oh they put this down and nobody knew. They all knew and agreed to this. So if you agreed to it, then you shouldn't be up right. in arms trying to change it at the right. at the last hour. Yeah. You can't be for that. You literally can't be for that if you agreed to the rules. Otherwise, why not change other rules? Yeah. I mean, where does it stop? That's the whole thing is like, where does it stop? You can change any rule that you want to whenever you want to, to appease whoever you want to appease. Right. Well, how does that work? Yeah. I, I, the rules don't work that way. Last time I checked. Let me point out a couple of things here for anyone listening along, particularly if you're not a K-Stater. Brian's reference 98. Yeah, that's 25 years ago. That's how strong our, the feelings are at K-State about how the Big 12 treated K-State in 1998. K-State is probably one play away um, from playing for a national championship in football. A heartbreaking loss, an unexplainably heartbreaking loss um, on, a, on an overtime touchdown that wasn't even close to a touchdown. That's a whole other thing. Um, and uh, so K-State misses out on that. Ends up ranked third in the BCS standings. I believe it was BCS at that time. I mean, just by a fraction, they still don't play for the national championship. Uh, so that means they should play in the, the top bowl available to the Big 12, right? No. The Bulls went ahead and invited everyone because they thought K-State was going to win. And the only one that was open was the Alamo Bowl, which was the equivalent of whatever the Phoenix Bowl is this year. I don't even know what it is. It's been so many different things. I mean, it was a fifth in the pecking order. And K-State has to go play in that after almost playing for a national championship. It stung the university. It stung the football program. And it really hurt the players. I don't blame you guys for not being fully engaged. Plus, ran into Drew Brees, which it turns out he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and um, so that just sticks around. The mm -hmm. conference literally said, no, we're not going to fix this. We'll fix it for next year so it doesn't happen to someone else. And they literally called it the K-State rule. So now, 25 years later, the Big 12 may be possibly facing a similar situation. And they say, ah, screw it. We're going to fix it. Yeah. And, and it's K-State that, that comes out of the short end. And the rule was bad. I want to be yeah. clear on that. The rule's yeah. bad. Brian's oh, right. Yeah. It should be. If you're 2-0, it doesn't matter what Oklahoma and right. K-State did if they played. Nope. That, Oklahoma State was winning that time. They beat them both. Yeah. But it didn't say that in the agreed upon rules, as Glenn said, the ADs. Right. Everyone agreed upon this. Yes. And now I don't think they quite understand their next step. I don't think they understand exactly how to apply that. 
because you got a bunch of people in there that I don't think are college football people or even yeah. a lot of people I don't think are really sports people. Yeah. Uh, because now let me get to my second point. Brett Yormark is the wartime commissioner of this conference. He is he is Churchill. He's brash. He brings people together on one side. He pisses people off on the other side. But he's getting you through a really combative time in college athletics. And only because of him, and I believe this is the Big 12 even facing these scenarios into the future because this conference would be dead yeah, if the, the, the ADs and presidents hadn't reacted immediately and your mark hadn't picked up the ball and ran with it. Mm. Uh, and, and really, uh, his move to jump the line and negotiation saved this conference flat out. If Pac-12 takes that deal from ESPN that, that the Big 12 was offered after the Pac-12 said no, the Big 12's dead. Mm-hmm. He he ushered this conference through a really bad situation, but Churchill couldn't govern without the war. And I feel like once you get on the other side of maybe the ACC or whatever the next wave of this is, Brett Yormark will move on and someone will become the peacetime commissioner of the Big 12 and we'll get there. But these this minutia of daily management um, is it, it, not something that he's fully equipped to do because he's not a college sports guy. Well, and, and he, here's what I'll say, too. When you have something happen like this, all that other, you know what, is not cute anymore, right? Oh, right. The, the halftime show, and I think like the day after they announced like a partnership with like WWE, and and we're going to have, you know, this performer, and we're going to have, you know right. what I mean? We're going to give you this at media days, and it's like all that stuff that typically I'd actually be all for, make this is, you know, what's your marks, think cooler, hipper, younger, you know, I'd yes. be like, this is sweet. I don't care anymore. Like, you know, Nobody like, cares. That's when right. that happens, all of a sudden you have a fan base who is like, I, I could care less if we got the big show or Dwayne The Rock Johnson or whoever bringing out a belt after the game because we're not in the game because you changed the rules at week 11, you know? That's right. And, and I don't think anyone is probably wondering this, but if anyone is, what, why this, why people are so passionate about this, you're talking about not only an impact on this year, guys, but like the opportunity to go win back to back Big 12 championship, that changes recruiting. You're talking yeah, about a new era of the Big 12, and Chris Kleiman can go into young, the, the houses of young men and say, We are running this conference now. Look at what we just did the last two years. That we are the premier football school in this conference. If they were to go there and win, and win the football game, you're talking about a decision made in week 11 of, of the season um, that could have like, lasting impacts. And I'm not saying it will. Don't get take this the wrong way. I'm not saying, oh, Casey doesn't get in this year. They're, it's all downhill for beer, <laughs> you know, cash it in. But um, but it certainly has an impact. Like, it, that changes things. To be playing on that stage, college game day was at K-State TCU last year. To play on that stage, to do it against a, a team like Texas, I mean, it would be 99.9% of America probably would be K-State fans for the day. So, um, yeah, that it, it, it has a massive impact. And it it, it was a big decision. I don't. I will say this. I don't envy their decision. They they were going to have to piss off Oklahoma State fans or Kansas State fans. They had to choose. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, ba- I wouldn't have wanted to piss off Mike Gundy either. Yeah, I mean the mullet. <laughs> I mean they're basically the same fan base. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Along with Iowa State, it, we could have gotten like tight. a new. I was talking to one of my coworkers. We could have gotten like a new epic rant where he said, "Like, come after me. I'm a man. I'm 53." You know, with the, with the new age. It doesn't, it doesn't roll off the tongue. No, as not, well. not quite. I will say, Fitz, go, go, going off of what you were saying about your mark, um, and 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 the Big 12 offices, and maybe they're not being a whole lot of maybe college football people. I know for a fact 
there's at least one college football person in that office that's very close to the commissioner's ear who spent a lot of time on the K-State campus that probably could have had some insight on this thing, and that's Tim Weiser. Where was Tim? Where, where, where was Tim on, you know? He's technically retired. He's now the uh, what? What's he's got a fancy title? Though. He's not. He's not tech. He's 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 still doing stuff. He's now the yeah. fifth. I don't know. It's some know. insider reference, but yeah, um, he's uh, he's less involved. But you're right. You're right. There was another case. K State former uh, member of the athletic department in the in the uh, management of the Big Twelve, and I I just saw it today. He's moved on, which I didn't know. That's very interesting. We don't have a ton of questions here, but this one's pretty good from uh, Jermaine Bell. Jermaine, I don't remember seeing your name. I appreciate you contributing. Um, just give me your thoughts. Will Howard has his COVID year. Any chance he comes uh, back or wants to come back or wants to come back to college football? Um, it, or, it could be an interesting problem for Chris Kleiman. Or do they want him to come back? Is probably That's the next exactly question. it. I mean, and, you were talking yeah. about the career record holder for passing touchdowns, but you can't right. run the risk of Avery Johnson saying, well – yeah, look, I've I thought, thought about, I was going to be the starter yeah. by now, so I'm, I'm we're going to go find a place to start because that that has ramifications years into the future. I've thought about this a lot, and I don't know the answer. To me, it would be the idea of Will Howard transferring would be crazy to me, right? Like this is a guy who loves K State. The coaching staff loves him. He's been loyal to K State. He's fought through adversity, but also the idea of not starting Avery Johnson for two straight years is crazy to me quite frank, you know, and, and um, yeah. I'm not saying anything about the decision they made this year, but for next year. And like you said, Fitz, you're talking about a guy in Avery Johnson who was invited to a camp last year where they only invited the best 11 quarterbacks in their mind in the country, right? Quite frankly, you're talking about a guy and you say, what's his ceiling? His ceiling is the Heisman trophy. And I know I'm, get, I'm not saying he's going to yeah. win a Heisman. There's still a lot to be seen. We don't know yet, but the potential is through the roof. And I, I love Will Howard. I think Will Howard's great. If I was on K-State staff, I would be very worried, or at least you've got to have a conversation with Avery Johnson, right? And say, yeah, I don't think, is that a risk you're willing to run of, of, of losing that guy? Because you know that other teams, guys, this is, I talked to a K-State baseball coach and, you know, guys don't need to be in the portal for other teams to be talking. So you know that if Will not. Howard's coming back, even if Avery is okay with it at first, Coaches are going to be in Avery's ear. Hey, man, you're you're start you're playing you're playing 13, 14 games for us this year. You're starting for us this year. This is going to hurt your development. Sit out this year, man. It might hurt your NFL chances, right? Like he's going to have a lot of voices in his ear. So it's a complex situation and one that uh, I've been trying not to think about too much. To be honest, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I I think the answer. I don't think it's that difficult. I'll be flat out honest with everybody. Look, Will Howard has done a lot of things for K State. He's sacrificed a lot for K-State. I think it's time that Will Howard be a little selfish here and go somewhere and go play because he's not going to be the starting quarterback at Kansas State University next year. That is not going to happen. I don't care what anybody says. That is not going to happen. And it's not because he isn't capable. Right. It's not because he's not capable. It's because Avery Johnson – is the future of K-State at the quarterback position. And if all things are equal, he's better than him. And he will be better than him. And again, that is nothing against Will Howard. Like I said, I think it's time Will Howard get a little selfish for himself and go somewhere else because he's not ready to go and just go be a pro. I'm not saying he can't make a pro roster, but it's not his time to just go be a pro. Go somewhere, go play another year of college football, 
and again, talking about being a pro, let's let's just be honest. Will Howard can be a pro. That's fine. But let's just be realistic. He's not going to be a top two day draft pick. I mean, if he gets drafted at all, be a day three draft pick. So go somewhere else and play college football. He can go to a, a power five conference somewhere and go be a starter. This is not he would have to go somewhere and drop down a level or go to mm, a group no. of five. He doesn't have to do that at all. He yeah. can go somewhere mm. that needs a quarterback and be very competitive and, and be on a very good football team. But the one thing that I know for a fact, and it's not because I've talked to somebody or I know I know football, he will not be the starting quarterback at Kansas State University next year if he, if he were to come back. That is, barring injury, that's just not going to happen. No, I agree. Um, Which is wild, right? To talk, we are talking about a guy who, if if enough things went right for K State this weekend, as far as other teams lose, K State wins, he could win back to back Big Twelve titles, and and we're saying, hey, he might not be invited back, type of vibe. Which is crazy to say. I think that's one a testament to to how good people think Avery Johnson's going to be, and two guys, Will might want to go somewhere where he doesn't have a, a four star one of the top prospects in the country absolutely kind of breathing down his neck kind of absolutely. and where he where he's not in a situation where he's saying if i mess up here boy are they wanting him on the field you know because it's like that right now and quite frankly i think he's handled it like a pro but he might be kind of fed up he yeah. might and be that's like, why i said i'm be tired of every time i throw a pick you guys want me off the field he might be tired of it and he might be yeah. you know what i am gonna hit the portal well, and yeah, that's I why think, I said be a little selfish. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I think Don't be selfish, man. Replicating what he's done at K State somewhere else is a powerful message that I, I can go to Pitt. You know, he's a Pennsylvania kid. Pitt might need a quarterback. Uh, they might need some fans. I saw the stands at their game. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he could go closer to home and, and play a final season. He puts up good numbers in the ACC. I can see him uh, in the Big Ten West, that that whole division is going to be rebuilt next year. I think about four coaches going to have fired. They're going to be rebuilding rosters. It'll be chaotic. Um, so we'll see if that plays out. Nebraska head coach, Will Howard. Nebraska starting quarterback, Will Howard. There would be so much <laughs> irony in that. It, it would be incredible. <laughs> it would be absolutely I mean, amazing. I'm glad that you said it, uh, Tim, because I was mentally, as Fitz was talking, trying to figure out what would be the funniest one. And I, that That's would probably one. be up there. It's got to be. It's got to be Nebraska. <laughs> well, boys, we we fought through some technical issues. We uh, we struggled through. We got another one. Not a ton of questions in the comments. A ton of comments. Uh, we did at one point today go over two hundred live viewers, which is a threshold we had not broken. And I think it's because of the damn turkey right up there. Right, right there. <laughs> Absolutely. The Don't call me that. That's oh, <laughs> turkey right there. Oh, I'm sorry. I pointed the wrong way. There, there we go. Whatever. Whatever. It's hard to do. I could never do the weather, Glenn. I could never. This storm front is. Oh, anyhow, that's it for the I insiders. Couldn't either. Yeah, I struggle enough with the sports. Exactly. Well, we appreciate you uh, listening. Got lots of coming this week. Nothing changes. We might feed up on turkey on Thursday, but all the regular stuff's coming, uh, including the pregame podcast. Big B will be back for that. And the Friday walkthrough, we're going to record that a little early this week. K-State, Iowa State, 7 p.m. at the Bill. It's senior day. It's the last game of the regular season, and it's essential for K-State to win this if they want to muck up the Big 12. And I think we can all agree at this point, muck the Big 12. (laughs) (laughs) We, We appreciate it so much. And let me get to my right thing here as we close up shop. 
Uh, man, boys, I, I have really enjoyed doing this show. I really yes. have. Uh, and onward we go. Football season's over next week. But I think we all agree we'll be back for at least a few more episodes and maybe a lot sure. more. We don't know. We're going to keep it a secret for now. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.